Hi, this is Pastor Dan, and this is Knowing God with Heart and Mind, the podcast virtual church classroom of Shiloh United Methodist Church in Jasper, Indiana. And we are here to do some critical thinking. That's what this is all about. And uh, we're in the process right now of working our way through the book by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity. We're on chapter three of book two, and this is episode nine of the Mere Christianity book study. And we are recording it on may answer the hard questions about this uh, Mere Christianity study. And then we have our wonderful and insightful uh, uh, blogger who writes incredibly good stuff on our Facebook group. So there really are three hosts in a way. Uh, and, uh, and, and because our, our blogger is such a modest and mild-mannered person, I don't want to embarrass her, which I've already done. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is, is that we appreciate her input as much as our own and so are very grateful for that as well. So I just kind of want to acknowledge that, that, that you can listen to this podcast, but pretty soon you'll probably also be able to visit the Facebook group called Knowing God with Heart and Mind and read a third point of view that is equally insightful and very helpful and uh, if, if not exceedingly insightful. So, so kudos to those who participate in every method possible. But with that being said, I guess it's time for us to dive in. Bethany, how you doing? I'm doing okay. That was like a really, really energetic intro. <laughs> like, I checked to see what you were drinking over there well, for it's, a second. Well, it's just this LaCroix fizzy water. <laughs> so, uh, a completely unrelated poll out there for, for our vast our vast throngs, of, our tens of listeners. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, so, it seems to me, if I, if I take a poll in the office at the church... Mm -hmm. I find that about half the people think that LaCroix fizzy water is wonderful, like mm -hmm. we do. Yep. And the other half think that the stuff it's is horrible. It's like disgusting. Yeah. It's very <laughs> polarizing. It's, so, it's, an it's an extremely polarizing thing. It's weird. So if you don't want to you comment love it or on it. You're not just mere like Christianity, a you could at least <laughs> say LaCroix thumbs up, LaCroix thumbs down. And, and I'll bet it comes out to 50-50. Really yeah, will. it's like people, there's no in-between. Like, people aren't like, eh, it's okay. They're either like, yeah, I love it, I drink it every day, or mm, no. Now, the Barf. danger, of course, of drinking LaCroix fizzy water during our broadcast recording is, is that there's entirely, uh, a, there's a risk that, uh, that that someone might belch. So we hope someone that Someone being happen. you, because I'm a lady. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not a lady, so there's definitely... <laughs> Uh, a higher probability so all right so we've had an energetic introduction we've we've had a completely irrelevant discussion <laughs> of uh, matters of little consequence so let's get into mere Christianity book two chapter three the shocking alternative and the first question is uh, kind of a statement and a question and, and so this is how it goes the prince of this world is evil but a good God is in charge. So how did this happen? And Jack deals with it in paragraphs one through four. I was going to say, is that like the only question for this chapter? Because I feel like that's, <laughs> that's a big question. most of the chapter. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. 
Oh. Well, so I told you before we started recording that I read this, like, a week ago, and then you went to Kansas City. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm going to build steam as we go along, because yeah, I've got to, like, get my bearings back. Yeah, to wait a little longer than usual for yep. this one. Thank you for your patience. So. Well, what do you think? The, um... Well, he spends, I don't, I don't know if this is paragraphs one through four, but he spends a lot of time talking about free will uh-huh. and about like, I don't know. I put, I wrote hubris in the margin, like two different places because of some of the stuff he describes when he's talking about free will. Mm-hmm. Cause he basically says like, I mean, he has a really good line where he talks about like, as soon as you become something that is a self you also have a possibility of putting yourself before anything else Mm -hmm. um, and be the center of your universe, which sounds a lot like hubris to me. But yeah, he talks like, I don't know, he spends several paragraphs talking about free will and free will is what makes evil possible because free will gives you the opportunity to make decisions and choices for yourself, good or bad. Yeah, um, so it, it could be like this. So a mother tells her children, I'm going to clean up your room. I'm not going to clean up your room every night. Mm-hmm. You have to learn to do it. Mm-hmm. And then later she finds the room a mess, and so they have violated her will. But in as much as she has left it up to the children, right. it is in accordance with her will. So that's, mm-hmm. and, and, and honestly, that is so huge for right now Christianity. I mean, every Sunday when I'm in the pulpit, that is a message that I could try to proclaim to people. And if anybody just kind of grabbed it, it would change the way they hear everything else. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean to say that the preaching's the thing, but if, if I preach from the Bible, which I do, I'm very determined to preach from scripture. So if I preach from scripture and I read you a passage and then I propose some of the ways that we can interpret what's being said in the scripture, the fundamental thing you have to have in order to understand the interpretation or to devise your own interpretation is this ground rule. Mm-hmm. that says with humanity the difference is is that we have free will and then when we're doing prayer time in church the fundamental ground rule is, is that with humanity we have free will mm-hmm. and so even when we disobey god we're living according to the will of god because it was god's will that we would have free will mm-hmm. and yet when we're out of sync with god's will that's part of the reason things aren't always the way we wish they would be. Sometimes it directly relates to our willfulness and sometimes it directly relates to the willfulness of humanity uh, and, the, and the mere presence of evil. So right. it goes back to that question that says, the prince of the world is evil. Mm-hmm. Well, as long as the prince of the world is in charge, charge there's still going to be death there's still going to be disease. There's going to be violence and mm-hmm. evil of all kinds. So, yeah. And and God wills all of this, but God doesn't desire all of it. It's just that in order well, for God to grant free will, 
God has to accept both sides of the because yeah. he uh, he says like which is why if, judgment is going to be so critically important yeah when I'm I'm not a big fire and brimstone guy but I but but I'm often wonder if that isn't a good message to preach at least periodically because we do need to fear judgment if only because judgment is God's justice that that makes sense out of all of this. Mm-hmm. If God doesn't judge, and you know, old Jack, he's going to get to this eventually. So anyway, go on. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say that Lewis says that uh, like it's two sides of a coin. As much as we're free to be good, we're also free to be bad. Mm-hmm. And he says, but God had to make it that way because God wants this pure happiness for us that is pure happiness that comes from being freely devoted and Mm -hmm. united with him not because we have to be yeah Yeah. so he doesn't like the other side of it but it's a risk i guess he was willing to take for the really wonderful things on the other side and without being able to fully comprehend and express the concept Mm mm-hmm the reality is is that God is creating a higher form of creature mm-hmm. by doing that. Mm-hmm. And that it is the choice to completely surrender our will to God mm-hmm. that brings us to that higher form. And Jesus is the perfect example of what that kind of life looks like. So, yeah. And it ends in glory for God and it ends, you know, in resurrection and all of that. That's, boy, that's... You know, so maybe it's a good thing we started off a little lighthearted because question number one is heavy. <laughs> and uh, so we just did some heavy lifting there. But I think it's funny because he taught, like, like moving into the rest of that section of paragraphs, I guess, he talks about, like, how, um, like, because there's two sides of that coin, that means that as much as he wants us to have that free unity and devotion to him we're inclined to disagree with him because of our free will. And then he writes this little spiel that I think is really great. And I remember like laughing out loud when I was reading it because it's true. And he basically says like, it's really funny that we disagree with God because that's like, (laughs) it's like a river trying to like outgrow its source. Mm -hmm. Like you can't like, you can't be right and God be wrong. That's not a thing. Yeah. So it's kind of funny that we're like, we still try to disagree with him, even though it's not actually possible, not humanly possible, at least. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So what point about free will does Lewis make concerning a cow, a dog, child, or ordinary man, uh, a superhuman spirit? Um, did I mess that up? No, he, cause he, he like, I, I feel like it's kind of like a a hierarchy. Right. Like, he starts with cows and says, like, a cow can't be, like, a very good cow or a very bad cow. And I was like, actually, I knew a very good cow when I was a kid. She was, like, a very good cow. But she was just docile, so I don't know if that actually counts. But she was a very good cow. Yeah. Um, But I get what he means. Like, there's not, there's not enough, like, thought Mm-hmm. With cows, like, there isn't much thought. You know, they're just kind of moseying around the pasture. And yeah. if you bring them apples, they are going to be happy. Yeah. And as happy as cows can be. But then he says, like, 
next level up. Like, if you think about a dog, a dog can be better or worse than it was or is. Mm -hmm. And that may not have to do with free will, necessarily. You know, maybe there's free will in animals to a certain extent that's not like what we experience. but, But he says, like, you know, a dog can improve or it can degrade. In certain aspects of its yeah, behavior. Yeah, I mean, he uses, and, the, he uses the statement that um, God didn't make any creature out of rotten stuff. Right. You know, so it, it wasn't designed have, to go wrong. You can experience dogs that are, you know, we always joked that Earl was the goodest dog. Yeah. Because he was just a really good boy. Yeah. He just was. He and, was also the most unmotivated dog <laughs> That I've ever encountered. He was motivated by love. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's go with that. <laughs> but there's also dogs out there, like, we haven't had any in my lifetime, but there are dogs out there that are mean and yeah, nasty. Yeah. And they've typically been made so by circumstance, but there are mean, nasty dogs that even when you take them out of that place that made them that way, there's not always something you can do to help them at that point. So they do go bad. So I think that kind of is where he's going with that. But then he says like, you know, next level up a kid, a child, their moral philosophy isn't totally fully formed yet. So their sense of free will isn't totally fully formed yet, but like they can be better or worse, even more so than a dog. And like, you keep going up until you get to like a full fledged adult human. And, and then we set the stage for Satan. Right. By saying a child can be better or worse, mm-hmm. an ordinary man can be better or more, st- better or worse, still more so than a child, mm-hmm. a genius, still more so, mm-hmm. a superhuman spirit, best or worst mm-hmm. of all. Well, and I think what that tells me is that it's, I mean, yeah, I know it's about free will, but like it's, it's thought, it's, it's thinking. Well, you know, there's a phrase I learned. 20 years ago that I really like to use in certain circumstances, radically gifted, radically Mm -hmm. flawed. And that would be a great way to, to illustrate this. The radical giftedness of superhuman beings is going to be all the more extreme. Mm -hmm. They're either going to be radically good or radically bad. And that does seem to describe pretty adequately our biblical understanding of the heavenly host. Mm -hmm. Well, and it almost makes me think, like, thinking is important, but it's also, like, the ability to sit and ponder and think about what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. Like, a cow isn't going to just stop in the field and say, like, you know, today I think I'm going to break through the fence Mm -hmm. and leave because I'm tired of being here. Like, they aren't thinking about that. A dog isn't necessarily a thinking creature like we would think of humans, but they are thoughtful in a different way. And a dog has a little bit more opportunity than a cow to sit and ponder what it's going to do. Or you could say a cat, because we live with cats these days. Yeah, and our eschatological And they sit and ponder, cats. and you can tell that they're thinking about what they're doing. But then they're also incredibly easy to distract, so... Yes. You know... And the same thing with a child. A child can sit and ponder and be totally... I was one of those children who could sit and ponder and be totally lost in my thoughts and you couldn't bring me back down to earth. 
so I think a child can think through like what's good and bad and so on and so on. So I think like I think the ability or yeah, the ability to be able to sit and like suss out mm-hmm. what you're gonna do is a big factor in this free will idea and how something goes bad or not. Because I'm guessing that, you know, supernatural beings that God created, they've got jobs to do, I'm sure, but they also have, like, all of time. Or no time. Yes. And either way, that creates an interesting... Because that's a whole concept within itself for (laughs) another discussion. Which we probably covered some in the Revelation Mm -hmm. Bible study, because we tend to think of eternity as being endless time, but in reality, it's timelessness. So, and then I would argue that either way you look at that, that's reason to see something going really bad or really good. Because if there's no time, then they're going to be maybe more like the dog who just all of a sudden spur of a moment does something. Right. And flips a switch. Well, and if God self-describes as I am, then the place in which God dwells could be referred to as it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It neither was nor will be, it just is. Yeah. Very interesting. So how did Satan's deception to be like God's become what Lewis calls the key to history? Hmm paragraph six and seven mm-hmm. well the reasonable guess about satan is that he chose to put himself first before god right i kind of mentioned that at the beginning that's where i wrote hubris because i think i've talked about that in our revelation podcast i my feelings about satan are that he's like the king of hubris because mm-hmm. Like, who decides that, hey, they could be cooler than God. But, okay. So he calls it the key to history because he's basically saying that as long as you put your, and this is kind of one of my preaching themes, as you know, but but as long as you put your self-interest ahead of God's interest, then basically there's the fundamental problem with humanity is that they're trying to run the human machine with the wrong juice. Yeah, and he mentions all kinds of things throughout history that have been the wrong juice and have been people trying to make themselves happier than God could make them. Mm. Like, he mentions money, he mentions ambition, he mentions wars and the class system. Every vicious dictator who rules an empire for a time. Empires is in here gives themselves anything they right. want and then when they have everything they want they're never happy mm-hmm. and so then they decide that it would be more meaningful for them to oppress others yes. because that gives them yeah. something that nobody else has which is i thought was interesting because he mentions alongside like money and ambition and all of these kind of big things he mentions like the class system and poverty mm-hmm. and this is where i lean a little bit left but like those are things that came into existence to oppress. Sure. The class system is about oppression. Sure. Um, I mean, I know you know that, but... Well, and God hates oppression. That's yeah. like, and, and yet, I don't think that, you know, I'm not going to go into the left-right thing, but, but I don't think the solution is radical equality, because that's impossible, too. Mm-hmm. 
And all that led to when it was tried in, say, the old Soviet Union, was a different kind of oppression Mm -hmm. where everybody but the elite were equal in their poverty, but the elite were still oppressing everybody else. So, you know, one form of oppression over another doesn't really depend on your political point of view. No. No, it doesn't. And, yeah. So, uh, what three things did God do to prepare humanity for his solution to Satan's plot? Well, he, I'm just, I'm, I don't know where this, whether this is the part that they're talking about, but I know he talks about like how he created us to have a conscience. And to know right from wrong, mm-hmm. so the ought. If yeah, again. like what what he spent the, the whole first book nature. talking about, um, he like he wanted us to know like if we were going the wrong way that it was the wrong way, um, and and people have tried to obey, which is good. Um, the, he also says that he sent the human race good dreams. Right. Which I think is really awesome cuz I have talked to you about how cool this is to me because what I what I read and heard was what we have talked about where like it's incredible if you look at origin stories across different civilizations in the world. Mm-hmm. They sound really similar at their heart. And that's kind of what Jack says in this is like even in so-called heathen religions, there's stories about a god who dies and comes back to life. Right. And because he dies, he saves, like, he saves people. And I remember, like, when I was in college reading some stories that I hadn't been exposed to previously, I would call you and tell you, like, here's another one. Like, there are so many different stories throughout mythology that might as well have been plucked from the Bible, which is really wild. Well, and I think that deals with the the fundamental longings that all human. I mean, it goes back yeah. to chapter one. Yeah, and because I because we all have these fundamental longings, which are also laws of nature. You know, yeah. And I just love that he calls it God sending good dreams to everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's just I think it's really lovely. Um, it and then he also talks about how, like, God did have a chosen people. Right. And, like, he made sure that if anybody in the world knew who he was, it was that group of people. Right. Um, and and that those people then were able to make sure that we were, the rest of the world was on track and knew what was going on. Which, I know he's not trying to do a Bible study in this book and making apology for the scripture, but that is his way of stating that New Testament principle that uh, justifies Jesus. It's, it's Paul in Romans. It's, it's Paul saying, you know, that, that Jesus came from that people in order to be the perfect expression of what mm-hmm. God had been trying to illustrate with them yeah. all along. Yeah. Well, and... And the, there may be a question coming about this, but 
like so he goes from talking about those three things and then he says now here's the big twist here's the shock here's where the title comes well, from well that's the next question yeah what is god's shocking alternative um it's jesus it's jesus <laughs> And he, he, like, he, and it's really great, because, I mean, I, I feel like I've thought about this before, but he talks about how, like, suddenly this guy shows up, and he says he's a Jew, but he also is, like, saying that he's God. Yeah. And, and it's, like, the most shocking thing that anybody has ever heard said. Yep. Um. Huh. <laughs> I got um, one of those junk calls in the middle of my of recording. Course. How wonderful. Satan. Yeah, really. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, <laughs> decline. I decline your call. <laughs> um, but yeah, like he says that he is God. And like one of the things that Lewis mentions is like we talked about pantheists and how like people who believe in that might say that we're all part of God and one mm-hmm. with God. But that's not what Jesus was saying. He was saying, I am God. Yeah. I'm not part of God. I am him. Um and that really blew people's minds, but it was perfect because, like, he knew the law, which is what the Jews were about. Like, he knew it yep. front to back, and so did they, and they were like, okay, this is, what's up with this guy? Yep. Um, yeah. No, that, that's that's a perfect answer. So, you know, based on what Jesus says of himself, uh... We are not given the option of calling him a great moral teacher. Yes. So here's, I love this. What trilemma? I love it. Not a dilemma, but a trilemma then is left. That's that's a neat... Uh, trilemma. Well, it's the most famous thing C.S. Lewis said, in my opinion. Hmm. That leaves us a decision that we have to make about Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's either a liar, mm-hmm. a lunatic, or the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's that's like one of the most quoted things that C.S. Lewis ever said. Well, I've decided that it probably is because it was a radio show. He had to have like a super awesome closer. Mm-hmm. But like if you didn't want to read the whole book, which you should read the whole book because it's all good. But if you didn't want to, like read the last paragraph and you're good because it's so like i every time i read a chapter i'm like blown away by the end and that's like he talks about like yeah you can shut him up for a fool you can spit at him and kill him and kill him as a kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him the lord and god but let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher he has not left that open to us and he did not intend to which I think is so awesome because I have friends and people that I think are really wonderful people who say that all the time. And I'm like, guys, you're so missing the point. They say like, well, you know, I don't believe all the religious stuff, but I admit that, you know, like Jesus was, a, he was a good moral guy. Right. <laughs> yes, he was, but that's like not even the tip of the iceberg. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. And, and really that, that's a very concise way to wrap the thing up because it sets the stage, uh, for the next chapter, chapter four, which is the perfect penitent. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, 
I, I don't know. It's just, it's like, what do you say when you, 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 when you hear this question that C.S. Lewis asks, and I think this is one of the most potent questions that's ever been posted in, in literature. And the thing is, is the thing I hear one of the eschatologists out there meowing, um, I, um, I know I'm, I'm, I'm just having trouble forming this statement. People, I know people who go to church and have been in church all their lives who don't really have a clear understanding in their mind of who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. And even when they say, well, I know he's the son of God, you know, or whatever. Lewis is saying something that is so plain and so forceful that, mm -hmm. that you've got to deal with this. Based on what Jesus says about himself, you have to decide, is he a liar? Is he a looney tune? Or is he exactly who he says he is? Because mm -hmm. there's no in-between or middle ground. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this, like is, you can't this say... is just that powerful and potent a statement. Yeah. And I would just, I mean, this is one of those where I'm like, I'm still going to say, go back and read like the last couple of pages of the chapter again, because he lays out exactly why it can't be middle ground. Right. Like it, it, like it doesn't, you can't, you can't say that he was cuckoo about one thing, but then say, but he was really a great moral teacher. Like mm -hmm. you can't, there's no middle because his morality was from God. It was because he was God. That's right. I mean, he's like, the author of it. He did. He, he's the guy. I mean, that, here, here that, we're exactly. in the season, and we're we're in the season right after, um, the Easter, and so one of the passages that is typically read is the one about the fellows on the road to Emmaus, mm -hmm. and it was only a few years ago that I heard this for the first time, and it really sunk in, and it was. The statement that those two guys got the best Bible study lesson of all time. Yeah. Because for sure. the passage says that while he walked with them, he explained all the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament passages about himself and how it had to be. And and so it was just the whole idea, oh my gosh, the the source of or the word with a capital W. Yeah is teaching these guys the word. what it means. And I don't know about anybody else, but I wish so much that they had written down what he told them mm -hmm. so that we had that in the Bible mm -hmm. too. And see, I think that's the, the interesting thing is he's absolutely... I guess Paul kind of does that yeah, for us. He absolutely is a great moral teacher and a great teacher. Mm -hmm. And like one of the most profound places for me when we when I went to Israel with you when I was a teenager was the teaching steps right because that's who he's always been in my mind right he's the rabbi the like the ultimate rabbi but you can't just say oh he was a good rabbi mm -hmm. you have to be like you have to be able to say he was a good rabbi because he was the rabbi well and historically like, he's God he's the best teacher you could ever hope to get look at any of the great teachers take Confucius or Gandhi or somebody like that people who ended their lives as well thought of as as they were at the height you know because there are other people that were great leaders and then they did terrible things yeah. like 
Jim Jones mm-hmm. in, in Guyana, you know. So yes. the, the point is, is that if you take the very best known, the Buddha, whoever, you know, and and you could talk about their teachings and everything, but that's a, that's a, that's all there is. Mm-hmm. It's their wisdom yeah. that's been kept for ages and continuously revived and revisited, but they are not superhuman or God in the flesh or right. any of that, you know. So, you know, Jesus is separating himself from any other known or knowable human category. Which goes back to the liar, lunatic, or lord thing, because those other, like Gandhi, never would have ever declared himself any kind of god. Sure. Most of these other teachers, except for the cuckoo ones that were lunatics, yeah. Wouldn't have declared themselves God. So it goes back to he's either crazy or he's lying or he really is who he says he is. Yep. Yep. That's a good place to stop. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, Thanks. We're, we're, we're going to be uh, we're going to be a little shorter than usual because sometimes there just isn't anything more to say and there's no point in rambling on. Right. That's right. So, friends, thank you for listening. Please visit the Facebook group, Knowing God with Heart and Mind. If you're not a member, all you got to do is request to be a member, and I will personally bring you on board. Uh, go there, read the excellent comments from, from some of the other listeners, and uh, add your own. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you ask us questions, we'll try to address them. And uh, But most of all, just be a part of this community of the virtual church classroom at Shiloh. If you want to know more about Shiloh United Methodist Church, first place you can start is online. Go to shilohum.org, that's S-H-I-L-O-H dot org, and uh, that'll get you off to a good start. And then, uh, of course, come see us at uh, Shiloh in Jasper, Indiana. That's down in southwest Indiana, not far from Evansville, about an hour and, uh, you know, if you're in the neighborhood, come see us. We're always glad to see you. There's something going on at Shiloh every day and every evening. And so you can drop by and uh, we'll be glad to know you. And uh, if you're one of those distant listeners, well, let us know where you're listening from. That's always fun. But for now, I think there's nothing left to say except God bless you and goodbye. Bye.